I am Jace Curry, the Director of Community Outreach at Women Offshore. A popular topic here at Women Offshore has centered on maternity benefits at shipping and offshore companies. In this mini-series, you and I are going to learn about different opportunities around maternity benefits and how women are accomplishing their career dreams and family planning. This is the Women Offshore Podcast. Women Offshore is a 501c3, a nonprofit organization dedicated to supporting a diverse workforce on the water. Today I have with us mother-daughter duo Coronado and Sherry Hickman. Welcome to the show, ladies. I'm so excited to have you both here. I'll let you introduce yourselves, Sherry, if you'd like to start, but thank you for being with us today. Well, thanks for having us. My name is Sherry Hickman, and I am Coronado's mom, and I am a pilot on the Houston Ship Channel, and I went to sea for nine years with Keystone and Marine Transport Lines prior to becoming a pilot. I've been a pilot for coming on 27 years now. Well, welcome, Sherry. We're excited to have you. And Coronado, can you introduce yourself as well, please? Yes. So I'm Coronado Hickman. I have been sailing for about five years now. I graduated from Maine Maritime Academy in 2016. I currently work for Crowley Maritime. I'm a chief mate on one of their petroleum ATVs, which is an articulated tug and barge. And yeah, I always know how long my mom's been a pilot because she literally had me And 10 days later, we were in the car down to Texas, and she started her three-year training program with the pilots. What an amazing story. Oh, my goodness. I'm so excited to have you ladies on the show today for a number of reasons. I know we've featured you on the site before, but now you're a mother-daughter duo, and you're both mothers at this point. So excited to talk maternity, what has changed in the last 27 years or hasn't, right? And just how we can navigate these these conversations for women wanting to be moms and work on the water. So to start off, tell us a little bit about your careers offshore. What made you venture out there? What's your favorite part of working on the water? I personally, as a child would deep sea fish with my family off of Montauk, Long Island. And I just was thrilled with the fact that there's these big things out there that they called ships and they floated. And I couldn't understand why do they float as opposed to sink? (laughs) So um, That just totally intrigued me. Plus I was the only one when we'd go fishing that didn't get seasick. (laughs) So at the age of 12, I told my mom that I was going to be a sea captain which at that point I really didn't know what that entailed, but I was going to do it. And she placated me and said, okay, okay, okay. But in high school, I still wanted to do that. So I asked, now, mind you, I grew up in the Pocono Mountains of Pennsylvania. I asked my guidance counselor in high school, how do you work on those big ships? Because I see them at anchor in New York. And at night I see their lights are on. So somebody has to be awake, keeping the lights on. And I remember his name, Joe Casmus. And he said, you go to a school like this. And he rolled his chair to the bookshelves and pulled out a book 
and it was Maine Maritime Academy catalog. So I looked into the school, decided I need to have an interview. My parents were like, oh, heck no. But they drove all the way to Maine with me to check it out. And lo and behold, my mom was like, don't worry, she won't get in. Her grades aren't good enough, but they were good enough. And I did, thanks to my mom, have an academic curriculum for college. So I did get in. The school, I found out their big thing, even till this moment, is to make sure that every high school in the United States has their catalog. Of course, I guess with computers, that's not as important today. But had they not had that catalog on that bookshelf, I may have been at a different school. But anyway, that's how I decided I was going to see and ended up, you know, at Maine Maritime Academy, which I graduated from in 1985. And then Coronado graduated from in 2016. And Coronado, what did your career path look like? There was never any pushing or, you know, bribing, I don't know what you want to call it, (laughs) for me to go to the Maritime Academy. It really wasn't talked about. It wasn't, for a while I wanted to be a cook, but I, as like things got serious and decisions were needing to be made about going to college and applying and stuff like that, I just, I knew that if I, I love to cook and that's why I was like, well, maybe I could be a chef. But I knew that if I had to cook every single day to put money on the table and a roof over my head, I would probably get to the point of hating it. So I decided I wanted to do, you know, what my mom and also my dad, he's late now, but he was a an engineer on a ship as well. So and my grandfather was in the Coast Guard. So definitely a long line of on the water, not just from my mother. But when I said I wanted to be a go to a maritime academy, there was no question about which one I was going to. It wasn't really an option. I mean, A and M Galveston is forty five minutes down the road from our house and I wasn't I wasn't I didn't even apply. So which was the best decision I could my mom probably could have made for me just because growing up in Houston, it's such a huge metropolis of a city that going to a very small town that Castine is where Maine Maritime is, it just really made you see the different side of life and just a broader perspective on things. So that's how I ended up at Maine. My career offshore started off on a container ship with MMP. MMP just wasn't for me. I didn't like sitting in the hall. So then I got on a, it was actually an old school like wire tugboat with Crowley Maritime and their ocean class division. And then I transferred from there to the petroleum division because I had done my cadet shipping on a tanker and I had my PIC and I really wanted to be back on tankers just because I think it's fascinating that we carry, you know, thousands and millions of gallons of liquid product and you really never see it other than like taking samples and disconnecting and connecting hoses but you never see that product really that's on board in all your all your tanks and I just really find that fascinating and I know some people will be like you want to be on a tanker like you're crazy it is a little bit more hardcore you have to think about like what you're doing on watch and 
you know, if that product goes over the side, like it's probably your license. It's, it's not like a little, you know, container going over the side, like oil is not environmentally friendly. So it's a big no, no, but I, I don't know. I find it fascinating. So that's why I'm on a ATB. Very cool. Yeah. If you do see your product outside of sampling and connecting or disconnecting hoses, it's a really bad day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> In today's world, it is. In my world, <laughs> we used to tank top and spit in it to see how far down or up it was. Yep. It's definitely come a long ways. Crazy how much things have changed. I wouldn't think of opening a tank dome unless we were gas-freeing, going into shipyard pretty much, unless I needed to do a tank inspection. So in talking about how much things have changed. Sherry, are you surprised by the changes that either have or haven't been made for Mothers at Sea since your experience 20-something years ago? I am totally surprised that my daughter went through the same issues that I did with deciding, do I tell them I'm pregnant? Do I hide it? Same thing, 26 years later. Am I surprised? Kind of not. Was I surprised? Totally. Because I I really thought that we had gone a little bit further than we had. Yet I see both sides of the story. You know, I get that companies don't publish or maybe stand by the maternity thing. I understand that. I myself tried to get my company to come up with a policy and they didn't want to which in the long run really, really turned into a great issue for me because I found out I was pregnant two days after the company promoted me to captain. And I thought, okay, well, you didn't want to make a, you didn't want to make any curriculum pertaining to it. And therefore I'm not breaking any rules if I go back out to sea. Oh, so you were pushing for a maternity policy before finding out you were pregnant. Correct. Yep, I did. Because I had two women within the company, not while I was on board, but one was on my ship, one was on a sister ship. They were not officers, but they had signed foreign articles for six months. So the girls, when they found out they were pregnant and told the company they were overseas, they sent them home. God forbid they picked up another tool because the company was afraid they'd get sued if something happened. So they send them home and have to pay them their wages until the ship came back to the United States and broke articles. Ooh, like, I mean, a lot of people would be like, cool, I'll go home and get paid to sit at home. For me, though, when I went to the company, I said, "I, I get I get your point of view, but I'm an officer. They were unlicensed. If you told me I was going home because my point was I'm going to sail. I'm going to raise my license every minute I can. So if you're sending me home, that means I'm not getting sea time. Sure. And I, I was not happy with that. So I said, unfortunately, you can't send me home for being ill. You can't send me home for being injured. Mm-hmm. And you're going to have a battle with me. And they were like, no, we're going to take every case as it comes. And I said, okay, I think you're being foolish. I think you're turning a blind eye to a situation. And 
that was probably a year before I became pregnant with Coronado, just because wow. I saw what was happening with the company. And so when they promoted me to captain, two days later, I found out I was pregnant with her. And I thought, well, I'm not breaking any rules because they didn't make any rules. They wouldn't come up with guidelines for it. So I went to sea as captain, knowing that I wasn't breaking any rules or regulations with the company. Also knowing that I wasn't going far, far overseas, like we were doing Panama to the East Coast run. So pretty much had the ability to go to see a doctor if necessary, probably would not have made, and, and I was going to be captain. If I was going to be chief mate and we were home in tank tops and spitting in it to see if where the cargo was, <laughs> being with child probably would have changed my thought process on that. But Regardless, I went to sea, got off the ship when I was six and a half months pregnant with her and really thought that, okay, I'll, I'll give birth. I'll go back to sea. Her dad will take care of her. And I never had to make that decision because I got hired by both the Baltimore pilots and the Houston pilots, which I had applied to both of them way, way, way before I, four years prior to even becoming pregnant. So I never had to make the decision to go back because I got to make the decision to become a pilot. Yeah. And Coronado, what did your experience look like? Was it similar? Was it different? Yeah. So, I mean, I guess it was a little similar. I mean, knowing what I know now, you know, there's a lot of things I was a little bit naive about. But I mean, honestly, I really, the thought never crossed my mind that I was going to get fired. That was not obviously you can't get fired from being pregnant. That's a lawsuit waiting to happen, discriminatory. That was never my worry. It was the fact that when you are offshore and you're going to sea, if you're not physically on the boat, you're not making money. So the thought didn't cross my mind as, oh, I'm, am I going to get fired from Crowley? Am I not going to have a job when I come back? It was, if I tell them I'm pregnant, am I even allowed to be on the boat? Like, I really didn't know. I looked online. I reached out to Allie because she's a very, you know, good source of information and networking and, and people. Diplomatic. Yes. And, you know, she reached out to someone on my behalf and just to see, like, what was Crowley's policy. And there was, there was nothing. I mean, there was just, I could not find anything online about, like, actually physically being pregnant on the boat. And everyone's situation is different. Every woman is going to make their own decision on what they're comfortable with. And I totally agree, like with the office and, you know, companies not putting something out there and being like, oh, you could be on the boat up to, you know, whatever, because they don't want the liability either. So I totally understand that. But at the same time, as a female, working on the boats and me being comfortable going back because I work on ATVs and our, our rotations are a lot shorter. I'm on a 28 day, 28 day off rotation. And I pretty much stay in the Gulf of Mexico, my home port really being Houston. So I was very comfortable with knowing if something were to happen, we were only offshore for two to three days. I wasn't going overseas for long trips. So I was very comfortable going back to work. I actually didn't even find out I was pregnant until I was on the boat. 
and we were actually like not stuck, but it was it was the times of COVID, and you weren't allowed to make port calls. Like you weren't allowed to get off the boat because we were pretty much sanctioned to the boat due to COVID. So I started, you know, feeling a little nauseous and I've never been seasick before. And I owed that to my mom for carrying me (laughs) in the womb (laughs) offshore, you know, getting acclimated to that type of thing. And so I started waking up and being a little, we were at anchor, like anchor offshore Galveston. And I was like, why am I nauseous? You know, like I've never been seasick before. And then I started like going down to the galley and like as soon as I would open that door to the stairwell, the fumes from the galley was like enough to make me just run back to my room and get back in my bed. Like it wasn't happening. And I was like, wow, like am I pregnant? (laughs) And I was on the boat for, we had to do like a 42 day trip, I think, because the other crew got they like start they started canceling crew changes so i had to do a 42 day trip for covid for covid and i got off the boat and finally got a pregnancy test and went to the doctor and i was already 11 weeks pregnant so i never had that scare or i mean i don't know i don't want to call it scare but the first trimester is obviously a very scary time it's when the most things can happen i would say you make it past the trimester, you know, you're not in the clear necessarily, but you can kind of breathe now. And so I didn't even have to decide if I was going to go back to work because I was like, well, I made it through the first trimester pretty much. So, you know, we did the pre, you know, the blood work that you can get the test done of some of the chromosomes and find out the gender and all that came back healthy. So I was like, oh, I'm pretty, I feel comfortable going back to work. But I did not tell, I, after finding out about some kind of horror stories, I would call it from other girls that Allie got me in touch with, I decided not to tell my company until I was ready to get off the boat, which was seven months. So I told my company, I was getting off the boat and I told them that I would come back one more trip if they were okay with me. And I guess they could take it by just case by case basis based on like what rotations you do. Since my rotation was so small, they told me all I needed to do was get a doctor's sign off saying that she was, or she or he, whatever doctor you have, okay with me going back to work for the duration of my hitch, knowing what my job duties are. So I did one hitch with them knowing I was pregnant. I mean, after I told them, they were very, very welcoming and nice and everything like that. But I mean, it's, I still just, I still don't feel like women like know that like it's okay. And it's actually really funny that after I went on the women offshore page and kind of did the takeover about being pregnant, pregnant at sea, I've had like three or I think three women now tell me that they've become pregnant. They're on the boat kind of thing. And like, what they should do. And obviously I'm not here to be your doctor and I'm not here to make that decision for you. If you, you know, you feel comfortable, but I've just told them what my company did when I told them and like how I dealt with being pregnant on the boat. So it definitely has helped out 
people knowing that like you can do it if you and your doctor are comfortable with it. Yeah. And like you said and touched on earlier, like your rotation was short. It was in the Gulf. So it's not like you were overseas for six months at a time with questionable medical care during that time. When you were making your career choice and, you know, deciding on what types of vessels to work on, did thinking about having a family play into your choices at all? Or was it just like, no, I'm here for my career and family is if it happens, it happens. For me, and I'm not even sure that we're like, when we say family, are we talking about children or like marriage? Because for me back then, like it was almost like smoking. Oh, everything was okay. It doesn't hurt you. My mom gave birth to my older brother in the hospital smoking a cigarette. (laughs) Yeah, that's a great point, Sherry. So for me, making the decision for like family, there was no like worrying about cargo and affecting Mm -hmm. the fetus was not, was not even in the horizon. It just wasn't, smoking wasn't bad either, supposedly, right? (laughs) Because I am 58, but like it just, it wasn't a problem. But the choices for me back then were do I want to have a husband? You know, that was, that'll happen if it happens. I'm doing me. The reason for that was because my mom was so young when she had all three of us that she had to depend on my dad. And whether she liked it or not, she would have to stay there because she she didn't have a career. She didn't have a job. She didn't have an education for the most part. She had my brother when she was 15 me when she was 17 and my sister when she was 19. So she had three children before she was 20. Wow. So for me, the choice was, do I want to have a husband? And, you know, of course, every, I think most women think somewhere along the way I will. As far as family goes, for me, like family having kids was never an issue in my mind at the time of being on an oil tanker whether I was carrying jet fuel, crude oil back then, it just wasn't like a thought process, just like smoking wasn't a thought process as to being a danger to yourself or your offspring. Sure. Yeah. So Coronado sure had different thought processes than I did. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, definitely starting out my my career, I definitely did not make any decisions based on what was going to happen down the road. I was just, eager to get out there. I took any vessel I could because when I graduated, times were pretty hard for the industry. It took me like a good six months to even get a job. And I was anything, AB, like I couldn't even get like an AB job. So I was willing to take anything to get out there and get my foot in the door. Now, when I did become pregnant on a petroleum carrier, I guess it really... I don't know. I mean, it probably sounds a little bit selfish, but it didn't really cross my mind. And at the same time, I was like, well, my mom was on a tanker with me and I turned out pretty decent. So I think it'll be okay. (laughs) I'm thankful every day that she is okay. But, you know, we also take precautions now. I'm a chief mate. You know, I don't have to be up in the hose 
taking on disconnecting poses. I never put myself in that situation. We always have meters out on deck to tell you exactly what the atmosphere has. Hooking up and disconnecting hoses, you either have to be on a respirator, if it, you know, depending on what kind of cargo you have on board at that time, or so far as to SCBA, if it's even like questionable that there could be H2S, which we do carry H2S cargo on board. So we're already making so many additional precautionary that, you know, it really didn't, I was comfortable doing it. I did, you know, step back a little bit when I did find out I was pregnant. I I wouldn't go near the hoses. I would just watch from like the top deck, but I wouldn't put my like face near the hoses. And if I was doing something where I had to test the tank or something like that, I always put on extra. Like if it was we called for a half face already in our VOM, then I would put on a full face. If it was a full face, I would put on a SCBA. I always put took the extra step just to make sure, and I felt comfortable with that. And that's great to hear, but it's also phenomenal to hear stories of women who were able to spend a fair amount of their pregnancy at work and continue to work. Obviously, every scenario is different and each woman will have to make a decision that's right for her, for her family, with her doctor. But one of the things that we hear from cadets a lot is, you know, I want to go offshore, I want to be an engineer, or I want to be a mate, but I'm concerned that I won't be able to do that and fulfill my goals of having children as well. So it's really cool to hear two stories of how you ladies have made this happen. A lot of people who work at sea say that they would never want this career for their daughters. What are your thoughts on this? I don't understand when somebody says I would never have my child go into this business. Yes, I realize that when I went to sea, it was more of a glamorous, go into port, go see whatever part of the world you're in, whether it was Egypt or Scotland or France or Italy. But I was also gone for six months at a time. But it was a neat way to see the world. And it was kind of, quote unquote, glamorous because people would like, oh, you're traveling. But I would never, never tell my child that you don't want to do this or deter them from it. I encouraged it when she talked about it and I tried to stand by her when she wanted to cook and I let her cook for me every time she wants to, (laughs) but (laughs) I just don't understand the theory behind it. All of my business partners know it's a great career. It supports the family very nicely. So I'm not sure, you know, Yes, there's a lot of negatives, but I told her too, when she talked about going into culinary arts and she said, well, I don't know if I'll make the money I need to make to be where I want to be in life. And I told her that waking up every morning, dreading your job is not successful. Money is not successful if you're not happy. That was our conversation when she thought she wanted to go into culinary arts, but I just Me personally could not imagine telling my child that, no, I don't want you going into this career. She might think differently. I don't know. No, I definitely agree. I mean, I think it's a great career for me. I mean, a a young woman, just for me, you can't beat the schedule. I honestly, like when you're at work, you're at work. And when you're off, you're off. Like you can do whatever you want. 
And it's a pretty good career that you have the money when you get home to go do whatever you want. So I really, son, daughter, I would tell them if they wanted to do it, no hesitation. I think it's a great career. I really, sometimes when men say that to their daughters, I kind of want to be like, maybe you should go check yourself because maybe you are the one that's kind of creating a bad industry for this, like that you... If you if you don't want your daughter to go in it so badly, like what were you doing out there that was causing that stigma? Because Mm -hmm. I've definitely been very lucky in my career that I've only had a couple incidences and now being on the ATVs, which are tugs and there's way less guys on there, men, women, crew, just way less crew. It's hard to be if you oscillate someone like you're just making more work for yourself because there's 10 people on that crew and one's a cook. And so we have on the deck side, people actually working on the barge, not that many people. And so if you want to oscillate someone or not want to work with someone based on whatever gender race, you're just causing more work for yourself. There's not a lot of people out there. When we stand watch during cargo, it's myself and a tankerman. That's all we have, two people. So if I don't get along with him and he doesn't get along with me, then we're just creating more work for each other. And so I've just had a very good career so far where I haven't had very many incidences. I know it's out there, not naive to it, but it really does kind of, when I hear people say, oh, I wouldn't tell my son or daughter to go into this. I'm like, why? Like, it's a good career and it's in the schedule to me. I really do ask why and like make them think like, what are you doing to create such a bad stigma for this industry that you wouldn't tell your son or daughter to go into it? That's such an important point, Coronado. I love that. Thank you for sharing. Final question for you, ladies. Any words of wisdom for women who either are pregnant or wanting to become moms at sea? I mean, yeah. If at the end of the day, your job is still there, whether you know whether you have to put it on pause for a little bit. I'll be open and honest. My FMLA was up. This I was supposed to go back to work this trip. And I, I just wasn't ready. And I told my company that I'm not, I'm not ready to leave her yet. And they were okay with it. They told me to put in a leave of absence and we'll work from there. You know, if you want to quit and come back to your job, like there's just so many options. I wouldn't let your career just be, oh, oh I got pregnant. I mean, yes, the financials are a situation. So you'll have to think about that. But Like, I don't think being in the maritime industry, getting pregnant is like an automatic career ender. Like, it's have the, it's have the baby or go to sea kind of thing. Like, I feel like that's not just a black and white answer. You know, you can pause your career for a little bit and raise your child if you want to, and then come back. I mean, you got to keep up with your licenses and whatnot, but it's like a year and, and a year sea time in five years. So you can get, I just don't feel like it's a very like, Oh, I'm pregnant now. My, my career is gone. You know, you can pause it, you can come back to it or you can go right, right back to it. I just don't feel like it's that like, 
I don't feel like it's a career ender these days. Or if you don't want to go back to sea after you have a child, then don't. But I wouldn't, like, not go to sea because you're scared of getting pregnant and then, like, having the child. I don't feel like it's a career ender. Companies don't feel like it's a career ender. My company has fully supported me through it all and has supported me now that I've told them that I'm not ready to go back to work yet. So just don't make it such a black and white answer is what I have to say. I just found out today that she extended her, you know, family leave. And I said, Oh, I, I didn't know you did that. And she's like, yeah, I'm just not ready. And I was like, well, I never had to make that decision because like I said, I became a pilot and didn't have to go back to sea even though like I thought, oh, that would not be a problem. I'll just let her, her dad take care of her. And but actually I remember getting on the first ship, you know, to train as a pilot. And I told her dad, if you let her cry while I'm gone, I will kill you when I get home. And then I got on the ship and I'm like, how am I gonna know if she cried? <laughs> <laughs> and then 18 hours later, my boobs were really, really big and I had no alternative to pump or otherwise on a ship. So tip, if you're going to go back to work, make sure you dry them out. Thank you for that, ladies. It has been so great having you on sharing your stories. I just love this and think this is will be so helpful for so many women to see some of the changes that have been made over the last 20 or so years and some that haven't. So thank you for being here with us. And thank you for being on the show. Thanks for listening, everyone. And we'll chat with you soon. Bye for now. Thanks for listening. Here at Women Offshore, we're dedicated to talking about what impacts women in the offshore workforce. If you've enjoyed this episode and want to contribute, please donate and consider setting up a recurring donation at womenoffshore.org slash donation. Until next time, stay safe out there and we'll talk to you soon. Before you go, here are some events on deck from my colleague Savannah at the Oil & Gas Global Network. Hey everybody, it's Savannah from OGGN and here are the events on deck for June 2021. This month we have six events, but if you'd like the full list, you can click the link in the show notes to sign up for our events newsletter. We send it out every month and it includes more info about the events that I talk about here. We even include events that occurred two months ahead of time, so if you're interested in always staying in the loop about oil and gas events, make sure to check that out. This month, OGGN will be hosting two events. One is online and one is in person. For our online event, we're hosting a live stream titled Deal Value Creation, M&A and ONG. This is going to be on June the 2nd. And for our in-person event, we're relaunching our happy hours. It's been far too long since we had a good happy hour, so I'm sure plenty of you will be excited to hear that our next happy hour will be at the Cannon in Houston, Texas on June 24th. At this event, you'll be able to meet some of OGGN's hosts and network with other oil and gas industry professionals, all while enjoying great food and drinks. We hope to see you there. Other than OGGN's events, we have two in-person and two online events. First up, we have our two in-person events, which are the Energy Capital Conference on June 2nd at the Omni Houston Hotel and the U.S. Police and Fire Championships from June 10th to the 21st. The Police and Fire Championships will be hosted in multiple locations, so make sure to check out our events newsletter for more information about that. Next, we have our two online events, the first being the Post-Industrial Summit Series. This event actually started on May 4th, but it'll be ending later this month on June 22nd, so there's still plenty to see. 
And our second online event is the Big Data Industry Summit from June 9th to 10th. If you have any questions about these events or any of our shows, make sure to reach out to me through my email in the show notes. That's all for June. I hope you guys have a great month and thanks for tuning in.